Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. It is good to see everybody today. Before we get started into our message today, um, I want to let everyone know we will be going to three services at the beginning of next year. Um, Yeah, we are very, very excited about it. Um, And here's what you can do. Everybody's like, are you guys overwhelmed? Are you guys like stressed out about it? No, we are excited about it. And so two things we need you to do. We need you to invite people. Inviting people the month of December is a fantastic time. They will come if you ask them. Um, So get out there, um, text them. I'm probably the only pastor that tells you to get on your phone during service. Um, Get on Facebook, check in and invite somebody to come with you. Tag them, um, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Tweet them, I don't care. Um, But man, ask somebody to come with you. And then the second thing you can do is actually help us by serving. Um, Your whole family can serve with you, but we are just going to need help. Um, manning a third service. And so if you can do that, there you can sign up online. You can sign up in the lobby with some cards that say, I get to serve. But that is two major ways you can help us. There are great, great things happening, and we are excited about what's going on. Um, as we get into our sermon today, this sermon series is all about the events leading up to the manger. Um, and so I like the approach we're taking this year because all of us really know about the birth of Christ and the away in the manger and the manger moments, but we don't know all the things that were leading up, even some things that aren't in the Bible. And you're like, what? There are some things that aren't included in the Bible? What are you talking about? Yes, there are some things that aren't included in the Bible. And today, I'm going to talk about a topic that I really struggle with. Um, It is called silence. Um, it's called quietness. Um, I've lost a quiet, I never won a quiet game in my life, um, and I'm all right with that. But, but really, not about us learning to be silent and be quiet. How do you handle silence? Handle, how do you handle the quiet times? And so today, I am actually going, and, and if I had like some specs and a chalkboard, um, which that really aged me, a whiteboard, um, but if I, if I had that, I would, I would totally be a history teacher today. We're going to go kind of historic on some of you and get some history up in here and um, talk about, um, for, for most of us, if you are new to, to the following Jesus Christ, never checked out a Bible, um, the Bible has two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, and, and so most of us, we, we, 
read the New Testament, we kind of stay away from the Old Testament because a lot of it's happening besides David and Goliath and the ark and the whole. It's really cool. You need to check out the Old Testament. But a lot of us are like, I just, I just don't know. And so, but there's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament, and they're separated by about 400 years. 400 years, the Bible goes silent in what they call the silent years. It goes dark, it goes quiet. And yet, in those 400 years, a ton of things happened in the world. Now, when I say the Bible went silent for 400 years, can I tell you that's a long time? To, to give you some perspective, uh, the, the, the Declaration of Independence hasn't even been signed for 250 years yet. That, that's, that, we're talking a massive chasm, a, a massive amount of a period of time for 400 years, no scriptures. God, God's not, not, there's no scriptures recorded from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I want to give you just some, some, not all. If we were to hear all, I would bore you to death, right? So if you don't like history, suck it up for a second, um, because I think it'll give us some depth that we need to understand the Bible with. So um, in 445 A.D., the walls were finished with Nehemiah. Israel was a small nation that was very much struggling, um, and the Persian Empire was, was still in power. And this lasted until 331 BC when Alexander the Great conquered them. Some of you are like, okay, I know Alexander the Great. Um, I know Alex. Alexander was a student of Aristotle. The four titans of Greece at this time were Socrates, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and Alexander the Great. And Aristotle had a passion for unity. He wanted all fields of knowledge in one system. So, when Alexander the Great conquered the ancient world, he took the largest entourage of scientists with him. And it cost more, if you were to kind of see it, well, how much did this cost? It cost more than the American space program of our day. This was a huge undertaking that Alexander the Great was doing. <clears throat> he did this with the goal of to unify ancient world culturally, meaning uh, the it was the process of Hellenization. Some of you are like, I remember that word in school, right? Um, Hellenization, the Greekifying of the whole world, all same language, morals, culture, and this is why the New Testament is written in Greek. So when, you, when we break down a word in the New Testament, we say in the Greek it said this, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so the reason the New Testament is written in Greek is because Alexander the Great had conquered it. In, 17, in 175 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes, which that's where we get the word epiphany, right? I just had an epiphany, um, called his name this because he considered himself to be the manifest of God. Some thought, most thought, he was crazy because of his behavior. He was very much like Hitler to the Jews. He implemented radical anti-Jewish anti system. Jews hated him. He prohibited the observing of the Sabbath, the act of circumcision, or even owning any portion of Old Testament scriptures. And all these, all these crimes were considered punishable by death. So in 167 BC, after abolishing all forms of Jewish worship, Antioch had pigs sacrificed as a pagan worship on the Israelite 
temple altar. He, his persecution was so cruel, revolt began among Jewish people. So, so let, me, let me stop, okay? In the Jewish world, bacon is bad, okay? So, so in our world, bacon is good and yummy and it's heavenly, right? In the Jewish world, you've heard the term, that's not kosher. It's because Jewish people considered pigs to be unclean. You didn't partake of them. You had nothing to do with them. You were ritually unclean if, if you touched them, if you came in contact with them. And so for this emperor to come and, and, and make pagan ritual sacrifices on the Israelite temple altar was massive. This was, this was crazy disrespectful, and the Jews hated him for it. So in, this is called the Hasmonean period. And there were high priests being established again. A throne of Israel sought, and infighting in Israel led to Sadducees and Pharisees beginning. Sadducees served the Maccabees. Some of you are like, I've heard of that, right? The Maccabees is happening during this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Sadducees served the Maccabees and the Pharisees were purists. They believed that... um, believed a new king could only be a descendant of David and a priest could only be from the line of Aaron started. So the Pharisees and Sadducees started hating each other during this time period. In 164 BC, the Maccabean revolt began. A Jewish believer named Matthias with five sons rose up in protest. He fought like guerrilla style warfare um, and Matthias died and leadership went to his third son, named Judas. See, not all Judases are bad, right? Judas Maccabees, and he became a national hero, still is to the Jews this day, because he won back religious freedoms and the temple back to the Jews. The Jewish temple reopened and rededicated, and this is celebrated today as, anyone, anyone? Hanukkah. So, this is all going on. 63 BC, kind of really doing a rough, quick, quick go here. Jerusalem and the Jews are conquered again, this time by the Roman Empire, by Caesar and Pompey. And Caesar and them come and and they bring their kingdom, they bring their rules. And so when the New Testament opens, the people of Israel have been groaning and destroyed over and over for 400 years from the power of Rome and Greece. And this is the setting when the New Testament period opens. And all during this time, Silence. Right? All during this time, generation after generation thinks, well, the Messiah is going to come this generation. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the Son of God to come at any point in time. And this is why a lot of the Jews thought when he comes, he's going to overthrow the whole government. That's what he's going to do. And that's going to be how we know who the Messiah, the Son of God, truly and really is. And yet, all they experienced generation after generation was silence. We don't do real good with silence. A lot of us, we struggle when God goes quiet. In our life, in our situations, in our certain, we, we just struggle with it. We, we struggle with silence in general. Like if, if there's 
silence on the radio or the TV, it's called dead air, right? Dead air is bad for business. Nobody's making money. Nobody's turning money. Get rid of dead air. When there's a, a worship time, if our band, if there's dead air, you're like, what, what do I do now? What do I do now? Like, I don't know. Do, are we still worshiping? I mean, there's no keyboard playing. I can't play. I can't worship. If there's no keyboard or guitar playing, what, what do I do? I'm so confused, right? Because we're used to noise. When things get quiet, we a lot of times don't know how to handle it. When there doesn't seem to be anything going on, what, what do you do? What do you do? I get super awkward when things are quiet at my house. Like, is, is, is everything okay? Is everybody good? I mean, are we, are we mad here? Like, what's, what's happening? Is things going good? Let's turn the TV on. Let's do something because it got quiet. I think somebody's mad. I think somebody's upset. But I have learned this much that now I'm getting better at being quiet when I really know the person I'm with. Like with Casey, me and her can be quiet and everything's good. She's not mad at me, thank God, right? We're just quiet and we're hanging out. And it's all right because I've learned that I can trust Casey even when it's quiet. And what I have learned about life and what I've learned about situations and circumstances, when you are falling in the silent years of life and there seems to be nothing going on, there's nothing good, there's nothing bad, it's just static, that you can make it through those times if you're trusting the one you're with. If you're trusting the one you're with. But an interesting thing about trust, and it's this, it's our first point today, trust requires faith. Trust only comes through faith. If you don't believe in someone, you won't trust someone. Okay, let me say that again. If you don't believe in someone, you won't trust someone. Perfect illustration. Um, when I was a youth pastor, we went to this uh, uh, camp, and it had a ropes course, right? And the person that was taking us through our ropes course was this mean, mean college girl. Like I've never, she made a grown man, one of our sponsors, leave and cry. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, like what, what just happened? You're not gonna make me cry, let's go. You know, um, it was crazy. Um, and, and she just, I mean, she wasn't just having a bad day, she must have been just having a bad life. And so um, we were going through all the exercises and our, our sponsor left and was like, I just can't take it. Um, I was like, okay, go, go, you're embarrassing yourself, go. Um, and so we, we decided that, that the next exercise that our team was going to do, mind you, she's been mean the whole time, was a faith ball. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the wind pants that made noise when you walk like, fush, 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 right? If you, still, if you still have those, let me help you. They're not in style. Burn them, right? Like, you're welcome, all the ladies out there. Um, because, but I like it. You can hear me coming around the corner. That's a problem. Um, this is what this girl had on. Everywhere she went, you could hear walking. And she was like, I'm going to show you how a faith ball works. Now, a faith ball is you, it is totally dependent that you trust the people that are going to catch you. The problem was we were catching her. <laughs> Big problem. You've been a jerk, now catch you. And so, she gets up on the pedestal. I don't know if you guys have seen this. 
She gets up on the pedestal. We're back there getting ready to fall. And you get up there and you say, ready to fall. And everybody's supposed to say, fall away. And when you fall, you're supposed to be stiff. You can't, you can't push your butt out, which is a really weird illustration right now. You got to keep it straight. Not no base, all treble, right? And you keep it. I'm all about that. Anyways, um, you're welcome right over there. Go to that camera right now. Anyways, um, I don't know why our church grew. It's because of that right there. Moneymaker. Um, stay on target. We have totally. Okay, so she's there, ready to fall. We're there, fall away. And when she gets ready to fall, base, right? And she hits our hands and right through because she put her butt down. There was no way we were going to be able to hold that much um, coming that fast. Oh, no, a nicer way to say that. <laughs> I mean, she fell through like she had Vaseline all over her chest. So, wha-bam! She hit the ground. <laughs> you know, couldn't breathe. Like, she's like, I'm done. I'm done. I, 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 you did it on purpose. And, like, all the kids were like, yeah, we I'm like, no, no, we would never do that on purpose. But that's hilarious. Um, Here's the deal, you will never trust someone you don't have faith in. And you will never trust that your Savior has your best in mind until you have true faith in him. And some of you, you feel like this girl, that you feel like you've been let down and the wind has been knocked out of you and your faith is struggling this morning. Hear me, you're in a great place because nothing seems to be happening. But here's what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith means being sure of things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. Knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. Let me, let me, Name it, claim it, hear me. Faith isn't getting what you want. We have made faith something that it is not. Faith is not getting what you want. Faith is still believing that God is great and God is good even when you don't see anything happening. That's, that's, it's choosing to, I still can't believe it. I believe good things are coming. I believe things are happening. And I choose to still have faith. And when I have faith, I can have trust. In, it's choosing that knowing something is happening even though I can't see anything happening. And some of you, you feel like the generations that were there 400 years, they, I can't imagine how shaken their faith was. Man, this has got to get better. This has got to get better. This is going to get better. This is going to get, maybe it's going to turn around. Maybe it's going to turn around. And you've got situations just like that. And the question this morning is, do you trust? Do, do you trust? Because trust isn't something that just comes in our nature. Do, do you trust him? Do you not just trust him with the bad things? Do you trust him with the good things, with the important things, with the things that have potential? Do, do you trust him with your relationships? All of you that are single out there, you may be in college, you're just single and mingling and you're happy. And you're, Do you trust him enough to do it his way instead of your way? 
Do, do you trust him enough to make sure any guy you date, any girl you date lines up to what the word of God says you should date? Well, just, and we want to excuse, but no, no, but you're not going to trust him if you don't have faith that he's still got your best in mind, even when you can't see that guy or that girl on the horizon. Do, do you trust him with the important things? Parents, do you trust him with your kids? Do you trust that he knows what he's doing with your kids more than you do? That's a tough one. Do you trust him with your boy? Do you trust him with your girl? That's hard, because there's so much, I just, I can't see them getting better. Even when they're in left field, do you still, man, I still believe something good is, I don't see it, I don't know how it's going, but I still choose to trust him. What about your finances? This this isn't even a giving message, right? But you're never going to trust him if you don't have faith in him. Trust requires faith. Man, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I know I can have faith in him and so I can trust him with my finances. I can, I, I can just, do you trust him with the important things? The Bible says this, if Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, out of the message, it says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Psalms chapter 56 verse 3 says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. See, it's easy to trust. I say this, you don't have to have faith and trust when everything's going good. Man, you just got to go hold on and go for the ride, right? Doesn't take a whole lot of faith, but when things aren't moving, when, when there's no activity, when things have gone silent, can you still have faith. Can you still have trust that he's still doing something, anything? Come be on. That's really tough for me. That's just being real honest. That's really tough for me because I need to see something happen. It can be bad, but at least set something. I don't want bad things, but at least something's happening. When nothing's happening, that's when I get impatient and I want to take over. But taking over is not trusting in him. Can you trust him even when things aren't happening the way you envision them? Because here's what I will tell you, and it's our second point, and it's really good. Don't get your plan mixed up with his plan. Don't, don't, this is where frustration happens. Don't get your plan mixed up and confused with his plan. This is so good and will change your life if you will apply it. Don't get your plan mixed up and confused with his plan. This happened to Casey and I when we uh, first got married. When we went on our honeymoon, she had a plan of the way that we were going to spend our time, and I had a plan of how we were going to spend our time. She thought, foolish little girl, she thought that we were going to sleep in and veg out by the pool. And I'm like, do you even know me? Like, do you? Does this look like it veges at all? Like, no. She rolls over at seven in the morning, and I'm wide awake. 
I'm like, are you ready to get up? There's like so much to go. They're serving breakfast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> leave me alone. We're married one day and she's already telling me to leave her alone. Um, leave me, leave me alone. Rolls back over, rolls back and looks at me. I'm still there, still waiting. 7.15, hey, it's 7.15, you ready to go? She's like, please, God, no, make him go. Maybe this is a bad dream. And, and there was no vegging by the pool? No, we went scuba diving. We didn't know how to scuba dive. We went to a one-hour lesson in Mexico. What could go wrong, right? Like, you just spend time in a pool. We were the only boat that goes out that day because the waves were almost hurricane size. Not that bad, but really, the waves were really, really bad. We were the only boat that got out. Everybody's puking their guts up on the boat. It's fantastic. And we jump in the water, and we get back out. And our, our guys our guys taking photos in the water, and we get back all the way to shore, 30, 30 to 45 minutes back to the shore. They forgot the photographer. We never got our picture back. I don't know what happened to Pablo, but Pablo didn't come back to the shore. Um, maybe that's where they make the movies of getting lost in the ocean. I don't, I don't know. Then we were supposed to have this romantic lobster dinner cruise, right? This, this was, we're, we're doing stuff. We show up, it's a pirate cruise. <laughs> a bunch of drunken pirates. And it's really different than a romantic lobster dinner cruise. Everybody's coming up to us going, oh, you want some rum punch me, matey? And I'm like, no, I don't want I want my lobster dinner cruise, you know? And we're seeing people act like absolute crazy because they were hammered. And I was like, there, there, there it is. And here it is. Here it is. <laughs> The way I envisioned our vacation and honeymoon going and the way that Casey envisioned it were two totally, I, I confused my ways with her ways and she confused her ways with my ways. And when you do that in any relationship, frustration sets out. But when you do it especially with your relationship with your heavenly father, frustration sets in. Because you have a timing to your plan, don't you? I have a timing. That, that's, I don't struggle as much with his ways as I do his timing. And so when the timing doesn't link up to the way that I have set the time, it wasn't that the Messiah never come, came, it's that it took 400 years for him to come. And for some of you, you're just really frustrated, and the reason you're frustrated and you're aggravated and you're depressed, and you're, it's because you've confused your plans with his plans. But check out what the writer of Hebrew, Hebrew said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through two, it says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the author and finisher of our faith. Can I say this? Don't forget who the author is. Don't forget who the author is. When Casey was writing her book, she worked with an editor, a guy named Joe, and Joe wanted to change a lot of what Casey was writing. And it didn't sound like Casey, and Casey wanted it to sound a certain way, but he was wanting to change it to sound a different way, and it didn't have those punch that Casey was wanting. She was super frustrated. She's like, I just feel like he's changing the message. I feel like he's just turning it into his words instead of my words. And there was one time I remember, I go, Casey, who's the author? 
Who, who's the author? She goes, I am. I'm like, dang straight, you are. You're the author. So write your story. And, and the question is, who's the author of your life? Who's, who's got the pen and writing there? Are you writing your own story or are you allowing God to be the author and finisher? It doesn't mean that he just writes a story and leaves it blank and doesn't get through it, right? He's the author and finisher of your faith. Are you allowing God to write his story on your life or are you demanding your own way? Are you demanding your own way? Here's what the Bible says in, in Proverbs 16, 9. I love this. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We, we can plan it out. All you planners, all you type A's, plan away, baby. Have your five-year strategy, your 10-year strategy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have plans and strategies, especially when it comes to savings and all this. No, 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 but, but make your plans. But if you're a follower of Christ, understand this. You can make your plans, but the Lord establishes is what a translation says. He determines what steps you actually take if he's the author and perfecter of your faith, if you make sure you don't get your ways confused with his ways. This, this verse reminds me of when parents have their kids and they're barely learning to walk and they've got to hold the parent's fingers. You know what I'm talking about. And the parent just walks around, the kid's just toddling around. And the kid wants to go his direction or her direction, right? And if it's the grandparent, they're like, sure, we can go play with the sharp objects, that's fine. You know, you just do what you, you, do what you want to. I don't want to make you cry and it's all smiles and giggles. But if you're the parent, right, you're like, you can't go that way. You can't, because the parent is determining the steps the child makes. And if that child lets go, skaplat, right? Hits the tile, hits the wood, hits the carpet, and he can't take steps and he can't really go anywhere that's productive. I'll tell you what's true for that child is true for you and me. And don't let go of holding your father's hand. Let him continue to determine and to establish your steps because what I can tell you is this much. He's good enough and he's lovely enough and he loves you so much he'll make sure you don't get to a place and at a place at a wrong time that, it, that it, it's detrimental, detrimental to your faith in your life. But let him deter. You may not understand. Those kids don't understand why they can't go to the stairs, why they can't go. But the parents understand because they see what's ahead. And just like that parent, it's just like your heavenly father. He sees the path you need to go on. And don't get your ways confused with his ways. Let him determine. Let him establish your steps. But here's the bad news. And, and this is not popular pre preaching. This isn't feel-good, fuzzy preaching, but this is reality. Sometimes disappointment's part of the journey. I know, wah, wah, right? Sometimes disappointment is part of the journey. You know, when you go to the movies, you don't go and watch movies where the guy gets everything and there's no setbacks, right? What a sorry plot line. Like you don't, like, it, 
Creed 2, I haven't seen it yet, but I know enough that Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed, this guy's son. And so I'm going to come back and fight, you know, Ivan Drago's son, and it's this great thing. This kid had a setback. You watch any of the Rockies, there's this big setback, and he just rags to riches story. Pursuit of happiness, this guy had nothing, and now he worked, worked hard. He slept in subways and in slums and all these things. He worked hard and worked hard, and now there's this amazing life, and he provided for his family. It makes for a great story. We want the great story. We want the great testimony. We want the great plot line. We want God to do miracles without being in situations that take miracles. Without being in situations that bring the great testimony and point to his glory instead of our cleverness. But can I tell you, sometimes, even when it's a good thing, I had this happen this week. It was a good plan. It was a, it even, it was a great plan of things that I plan to see happen. You know what? That just, there's delay to it. And I don't understand. There wasn't, there, it didn't bring glory to me. It was way bigger than me. It just, just didn't happen. And I've got to understand disappointment's part of the journey, but I'm not the author. He is. It's not my ways. It's his ways. And I can't confuse my way with his way, generation after generation wanted to see the Messiah. That's why Anna the prophetess, when you, when you read about Jesus being taken to the temple and dedicated, that's why she freaked out. Because she finally saw, somebody finally saw the Messiah is a big deal. And so she freaks out. She's like, the Messiah's here. This weird lady at church is holding my baby and like singing and praying. What, what? Put the baby down, Anna, right? Um, just this whole thing happens. It was a huge Deal. What about the generations before Anna? Well, there seemed like nothing was happening. And here's where it happens. We confuse silence with inactivity. And just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's not active. Just because God is quiet doesn't mean that he's not moving. And God was literally using these 400 years. He needed the Roman Empire to come and establish roads so that the message could go out throughout the whole world. He needed ships and ports to be developed so that the message could go to the far reaches of the earth. He needed to set every character, set every plot, get the Jews to a place where they were ready to receive the Messiah. And still some of them weren't. He had to make sure all the pieces and the timing was alive. It wasn't that God wasn't moving. God was setting the and can I tell you what is true for them is true for you and me. God is still moving. It may have seemed like God wasn't doing anything, but God was doing things even though you couldn't see it, smell it. It's faith is hoping for things even when you can't see it. It's I can still have trust. I can still have confidence and faith in my Savior even when I can't see it. And all the Old Testament leads to the New Testament beginning. And the New Testament and Jesus coming is literally the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, of all the Old Testament recordings. 400 years the Bible is silent and it's a time of preparation that leads to this word in their Greek called pleroma, right? Now pleroma means fullness of time or completeness. So when Jesus comes, when the New Testament begins, it is a pleroma 
moment where the fullness, the completeness of what everybody has been waiting on finally happens. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Not the people's plan, but his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Here's what I would tell you, and I've got some more verses, but I gotta keep going. Pleroma, the fullness, the completeness, of time, the completeness, the fulfillment of the plan, pleroma happens in your life and my life when we're willing to wait. Pleroma happens, the fulfillment of his plan, not not my plan, pleroma happens when we're willing to wait, and I would even put this for the right time. Not, Not for your time, not for my time, even though it's a good, man, it's a good plan. It's a good dream. It's good thoughts. Man, the fulfillment of it all happens when you and I are willing to wait. But that's the question. (laughs) Are you willing to wait, and how do you wait? How do you wait determines your life. I gotta tell you, life is just a big, long series of waiting. And if you wait like, I. You've seen it, people at Starbucks, if they're waiting for their drink and they need the coffee really, really, really bad, you can tell if something goes wrong, oh my gosh, it's just, a, it's just coffee, it's just coffee. Put an extra square to that, it's just coffee, right? Like, you're like, easy. Life's about waiting. Not too long ago, um, I went to Disney World and um, at their Animal Kingdom Park, they have this Flight of the Avatar ride and it is awesome. It is so, so awesome. And so right when we got to the park, right when it opened, we went to that line because we knew it was going to be forever long. And we got in. It took us waiting for about 20 minutes. We got off. And we're like, that's the coolest ride ever. Um, so Chloe goes, maybe we can ride it again, Dad, um, at the end of the day. I'm like, maybe, maybe, right? And so we start walking around. We kind of get to the end of the day. And Chloe goes, hey, Dad, do you want to go ride the Flight of the Avatar ride? And I'm like, I will ride it, but we've got to wait. We've got to determine a time that we are willing to wait before we wait, and we came up with an hour and 20 minutes. So when we walk up, it's an hour and 15 minute wait. And I'm like, dang it. Um, but I was like, I- I'm in, I'm in. She's like, okay, we're in. And Charlie and Casey really wisely decided to leave, go back to the hotel. I'm like, you're smart. Um, so we get in line, we're walking, the line is moving. There's, there's activity, right? So I'm doing all right. I'm looking at everything and it's good. The, the lines, I can wait as long as I know there's activity. As long as I see progress, I'm okay. And then it happens. It stops. Like, and I'm not just talking stops for a little bit. It stops for what seemed like an eternity of 30 minutes. Now, let me say, 30 minutes of not moving anywhere when you're in line is a long time. And people were getting mad. People were walking out. I'm not waiting. Stupid. This is stupid. 
stupid place. Disney World, you're stupid, stupid, stupid. It's not magical. I hate the mouse. It's, you know, just people are getting out of line, walking offline, complaining, all this stuff. And I, I'm, I'm not like, it's, it's magical place on earth. The most magical place. And I just say it three times and it's true. You know, and I, I'm just, I'm trying to have a good time with Chloe. And so finally, two and a half hours later, Oh, yes. We get on. And at that point, I'm just throwing stuff. Like, I'm just throwing my bag. I'm like, here, just, if it falls, it falls. I don't care. You know, I get on, put my little 3D glasses on, and we ride. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. But the ride lasts like three minutes. Two and a half hours for three minutes. Two and a half hours, three minutes. Right when it ends, Chloe throws her hands up in the air and goes, totally worth it. Like, like yeah, that was <laughs> totally worth two and a half hours of my life. You know, she's like, whoa, that was awesome. And can I tell you what is true of Chloe will be true for you. If you will follow his plan instead of your plan, you may see no progress, you may feel so frustrated and aggravated, you may want to quit, but there is a right time and he's working his plan. And if you will allow him to be the author and you won't grab the pen, but you will allow him to work his plan in your life, I've got to tell you, you will come to the end of that plan and you'll look back and say, man, it was totally worth it. It was totally worth letting God be the driver and me just following where he led. It says this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, so let's not get tired of what, doing what is good. And I got to tell you, I think a lot of us were there. Just tired of doing what's good, of doing what's right, and not seeing any. I, I'm not even moving in line. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. At just the right time. I can't tell you what that time frame is, but what I can tell you is this. Trust requires faith, and you can have faith in him. You can have trust in him because he knows where he's leading you, and in this this vast plan of thousands and thousands of years that has been going on from the Old Testament to the fall of man to the fulfillment, the pleroma of man, Jesus coming and being the fulfillment of all this Old Testament and intertestament and these silent years, all these things happening. God still hasn't lost a hold of the plan that he has for you and me and he knows right where you are. He knows right where you would be and he knows how you feel and he sees you and take comfort in this at just the right time his plan will continue to unfold in your life. But don't let go. Keep allowing him to establish your steps that will always lead to a pleroma part of your life, the fulfillment of his plan. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for your goodness and your patience, not just with us, us, but Lord, specifically, specifically this morning with me. Lord, I, I, I stink patience. And Lord, we just need to understand you're not in a hurry. We are. You're not anxious about it. We are. We're not, you're not stressed about it. 
we are. And Lord, the more we don't see an activity, the more stressed, the more impatient, and the more of a hurry we get in. And so Lord, I pray this morning that we would just learn to have faith in you, that you'll catch us, that you're with us, that we can trust you to lead us and to determine our steps, to establish our steps. That means to make them firm. That we don't have to slip through life. Man, you can establish our steps as we go through life. So Lord, I pray that we would just really look at our life inside and be really honest with ourselves and answer the question, who's the author? Because I'm guilty. A lot of times I get my ways confused with yours. And Lord, that's when frustration and impatience, man, starts growing in my life. And so, Lord, let me understand that I'm called to keep doing good, to keep following after you, to keep sowing, to keep planning, to keep working at what you've called me to work at. And at a right time, there'll be a harvest of blessing if I don't give up. Let us not give up. Let us not tired of doing good. But Lord, I pray we would let your way trump our way. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here, and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to change that. This morning you may be here, and maybe you're just not where you should be in your relationship with him, and you've been putting it off, but man, you know this is your time, and this is your moment to get things right, and to get in a right relationship with him. I'm going to count to three, and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that'll change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you stand up or lead you into another room. We're simply going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life because we believe God sees a hand and he changes a heart. If that's you, don't let this moment pass you by. When I get to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? There's one hand, there's two hands. Is there anyone else? You join these two, there's three hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And I want to join these three hands that are lifted before we go. Yeah, I see your hand. There's four hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And I want to join these four hands that are lifted because, man, there's, there's, there's this, there's, I've been putting off something that needs to happen right now. Is there anyone else before we go any further? You join these four individuals. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace, your love and mercy would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to take hold and to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, if you raise your hand, or if maybe this is your first time to Foundation Church, you would like more information about the church, you've got questions. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
we hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.